Hey yo, Cali Green Monster Show. Sports. Yup. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get an ADS. Welcome into another episode of the Cali Green Monster Show. I am your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you here from the Tesla Studios in beautiful, sunny San Diego, California. It is a Monday morning, June 7th, 2021, and I have got an excellent show lined up for you guys, as I always do. You know, it's episode 99, one before 100. You know, we'll have to figure out what I'm going to do for that. But I figure why talk about 100 when we still got so much to talk about here for episode number 99. You know, it was a big weekend in sports. There was a lot going on. You know, last night there was a huge matchup between the USA and Mexico, which produced one of the most epic soccer matches that, you know, you could end up ever watching. You know, you could definitely people will call soccer boring. It wasn't boring last night. So we'll talk about that. Our boy Julio Jones down in Atlanta, well, no longer in Atlanta, he's on the move. You know, so after weeks of speculating about where he's going to wind up going, you know, he got traded yesterday, so we'll talk about that. There's a lot going on in the basketball world. There was two games going on yesterday. There was a Game 7 to determine who was going to go on and play the Utah Jazz in the Western Conference. And then there was a Game 1, so we'll talk about that. And there's a little bit of injury news on the Brooklyn Nets that we'll have to talk about and discuss how that's going to affect their series against the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, if you've been listening to the show recently, we're a big F1 show. You know, as a fan of the the Netflix show Drive to Survive over the past couple weeks, I've now been trying to absorb everything that is F1, whether it's YouTube or video game or just watching the races. So yesterday they were in Baku and Azerbaijan for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. It was an epic race. I'll talk about that as well. So there's a little bit of something for everybody here today. But the first thing that we're going to lead off the show was not in the rundown that I just talked about. You might have noticed it was missing. And it was the boxing matchup between Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul that happened yesterday. You know, it was an eight-round exhibition that happened in Miami. And I think on Friday's show, when I was previewing it, I had figured it was going to be on Saturday night because, let's be real, if it's going to be a boxing pay-per-view or a UFC pay-per-view or combat sports pay-per-view, we'd expect this to be on a Saturday night. So, you know, Sunday nights, I feel like, are reserved for wrestling. But I guess depending on who you'd asked about last night's matchup, you know, people would compare it to most similarly professional wrestling a lot of people saying that it was basically a work that you knew what was going to happen considering that Floyd Mayweather is 50-0 undefeated one of the best boxers of all time and Logan Paul his only professional boxing match was actually against another YouTuber in a boxing match that he actually failed to win so he is 0-1 going into that fight last night but you know I feel to everyone's surprise Logan Paul put up you know a good fight you know I mean by no means did Logan Paul 
you know, look like he threatened Floyd Mayweather, put Floyd Mayweather in any sort of danger or damage. And I don't think there's anyone on the face of the earth that could have watched that fight and say that Logan Paul would have won it. You know, there was no official winner because it was considered an exhibition. So the, it never went to the judges. So I think just in that fact that Logan Paul went eight rounds with Floyd Mayweather, that should be considered a win for him. You know, so... While Daniel Cormier, I think he tweeted out that, you know, it's not a good look for Floyd Mayweather to not be able to put away Logan Paul. It's obvious that Floyd Mayweather was carrying the fight and just letting it go because there was the few times that, you know, Floyd Mayweather would unload and he was so much quicker and had so much more pop on his punches and looked like he could have honestly put away Logan Paul at any point. And that's why I think you definitely got to give, you know, in addition to Logan Paul being able to last eight rounds, one of the reasons he was able to last eight rounds is because he's tough as shit. You know, he took some, you know, hard punches. So regardless of him being over 40 pounds, Pounds, bigger than Floyd Mayweather no matter that he was you know had more muscle and had more height on him and it really did I mean you looked at it the size discrepancy was pretty you know pretty jarring but I mean the only way that that would be allowed is when there's a big gap in boxing skill which there was I think at the end of the first round there was a little flurry there by Logan Paul but it was actually kind of comical because there weren't really any legit punches being thrown and he was just going crazy and not one of those punches even touched Floyd Mayweather you know I feel like by the beginning of the second round Logan Paul was already soaking wet with sweat so I don't know if that's just due to the humidity in Miami which that, that you know there's a good chance like I think that walking around in Miami for five minutes is probably enough to make you sweaty so let alone going three minutes of boxing just with the end with the adrenaline and everything going but I mean I feel like by the end of the third round Logan Paul looked completely gassed and I think I tweeted out and text a couple of my friends saying that I would be surprised if Logan Paul got out of the fourth round but again Logan Paul was tough you know, I feel like he was really no danger, especially in that second half of the fight, because he had no he had no pop on any of his punches. You know, you gotta give him credit for at least he was still moving around and trying to throw jabs. And you gotta look at some of Floyd Mayweather's opponents in the past. You know, like for example, I feel like Conor McGregor and Logan Paul were both more aggressive and brought the fight to Con to Floyd Mayweather a lot more than some of his opponents in the past. You know, I feel like Manny Pacquiao, for example, that's one of the fights that's one of the most disappointing fights of all time. I think it killed boxing for a period of time because so many people bought that pay-per-view and Manny Pacquiao refused to, you know, basically didn't do anything and didn't bring the fight to Floyd Mayweather, you know, probably past the third round you know while there was excuse that Manny Pacquiao's shoulder was was bum for that fight you know it was it wasn't you know I feel like it wasn't as dramatic as or as entertaining as the fight was yesterday so while the crowd was booing I think it was just because there was a crowd that was hoping for Floyd Mayweather to light up Logan Paul and knock him out that never happened but you know I don't really think it was worth booing I've seen a lot more boring UFC and boxing matches you know I feel like Showtime did a better job of you know I mean I guess it depends when I'm saying better job because I'm comparing it now to the trailer pay-per-view that Jake Paul and Ben Askren had and while that was a dumpster fire, you know, just with all the music performances and the, you know, commentators getting pr progressively more and more trashed as the broadcast went on, 
you know, last night's performance, you know, was more of the traditional boxing, you know, Showtime broadcast. And the thing is, is that when we're only there for the main event and we're only there for the, the you know, the spectacle that is, you know, you know, one of the greatest of all time versus a YouTube star, the undercard really kind of, you know, wasn't the most entertaining thing. So while Triller was a dumpster fire, it was a dumpster fire you couldn't look away from. Like, so I know me and my wife, we watched that whole pay-per-view because while it was pretty cringy, we had to watch the cringe. Willers yesterday, I mean, besides watching Chad Johnson, you know, Chad Ochocinco fight at the beginning against, uh, what was his name, Brian Maxwell, bare-knuckle boxer. You know, Chad Johnson, I think he looked a lot better in the ring than Nate Robinson did. So I think Chad Johnson would have, you know, probably put up a better fight against Jake Paul than, than Nate Robinson would have. But, you know, I mean, it really was just watching a couple amateur. It felt like watching a couple amateur guys. So after that, I really didn't pay attention to the next two bouts. You know, there was a middleweight bout, and then there was the Badu Jack bout, and you know that one was all right. You know, Jack ended up knocking the guy down three times. I think in the sixth or seventh round to put that one away. But I mean, that was something I was watching <clears throat> pretty casually. You know, I was just ready to watch the Mayweather and Logan Paul fight. So all in all, it was entertaining. You know, was it worth the 50 bucks? Eh, you know, I felt like since I was covering the fight for the past couple of weeks and ever since it was announced, I kind of felt an obligation to watch it. But, you know, I, I, I'm kind of curious to see how much longer they're going to be able to keep pulling these fights off because, you know, all these these are basically glorified celebrity boxing and celebrity boxing is basically a gimmick. And I feel like all gimmicks are only good when they're used sparingly. So I don't know how much longer or like I, I'm curious to see what the pay-per-view numbers are for this, you know, and then, you know, I'm sure. You know, we got Jake Paul fighting Tyron Woodley in August, so I'll be curious to see what those pay-per-views are like. You know, I, I'm curious what the staying power of, you know, and the drawing ability of these things end up being. Because, like I said, it wasn't the most entertaining pay-per-view. And, you know, but we at least know that we're lined up for at least another Paul event, and that's coming at the end of the summer. So probably going to be ordering that because, let's be real, I may... I'm a sucker for a lot of these things. So, all right, let's move on. You know, there was an actual real sporting event that counted. It wasn't an exhibition. It was actually the championship for the first ever CONCACAF Nations League final. It was USA and Mexico. This game was taking place in Denver, Colorado. So while it was a home game for the United States, I feel like anytime Mexico's playing, whether it's in Mexico or the U.S., the Mexico fan base shows out in full force and, you know, basically ends up being a home game for Team Mexico. I feel like it was no different last night. The USA, you know, they've got a young group of guys led by Christian Pulisic. He's, you know, plays for Chelsea, the reigning Champions League champions. And, you know, they're trying to get the USA's first win in, in actually competition against Mexico in the past eight years. So they haven't been able to do it. But, you know, last night in one of the most epic games that you could watch, you know, if you're going to watch soccer that was the game to watch so you know while i was watching the mayweather and paul pay-per-view i was keeping an eye on the game and dude the amount of the the resiliency of the usa team you know mexico was able to score i think like just a little over a minute into the game you know they capitalized off a mistake from the usa defender you go up one to zero and the usa is able to battle back you know about 20 minutes later tie the game up and then in like the 78th minute mexico takes the lead two to one 
and anyone that watches soccer, I feel like, you know, if, if a team goes up in the last 10 to 15 minutes, that's almost like riding it off like the game's over, you know. I don't know, especially when a lot of times soccer games can end 0-0-1-0. So trying to hope for another goal in a close, close game like that in the last 10 minutes is sometimes, you know, wishful thinking. But alas, you know, three minutes later, the USA ties it up 2-2. They go into extra time, and that's where the drama really picked up. You know, at this point, the Mayweather and Paul pay-per-view is over. So my wife and son and I, we switched it over. We were watching, you know, watch the, the whole extra time, and I'm glad that we were able to. It was awesome, you know, about like with about, you know, in the... I don't know, 110th, 112th minute, Pulisic got taken down in the box. And at first, they didn't call a foul. And then on the video replay, the ref determined that it was a foul. Pulisic buried the PK. And then, dude, like five minutes later, there was a ball in the box in the USA end that hit off the hand of the USA defender and this was another one of those where the ref didn't initially call it but then looking at the video replay determined that it was a handball in the box that resulted in Mexico getting a PK so right now it's three to two you know the the extra time is is basically up they're at 120 minutes and Mexico lines up for this PK and sure as shit man Ethan Horvath the goalie that came in as a substitute in the 69th minute when the starting goalie hurt his knee dude came up with a huge save it was it was as epic as it gets you know when it I feel like with as big as a goal is in soccer that it's the shooter's you know goal to take it, it, like it, the shooter should score you know so when you see a goalie come up with an epic save like that it was just so clutch, so big time. USA pulls off the victory, and, you know, it was, you know, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of tension in the air. You know, after Pulisic had scored to make it 3-2, to two, the USA was kind of celebrating the Mexican end where the Mexican fans were. And, I mean, it's one of those things where you got two sides of the coin because the Mexican fans started throwing stuff at the American players, and, you know, Reina got hit in the head with a bottle, and, of course, that was like so like trashy and like you know, come on, you know, show some class. But at the same time, I mean, what were the Mex or the American players expecting when you're going to go up to a, a now a rowdy, angry Mexican crowd in the stadium like that and start flexing on them? I mean, these are fans that like in Mexico will straight up shoot flares at you. So lucky, you know, it was just a Gatorade bottle and it wasn't like a Roman candle or something like that. But either way, the Mexican fans. uh you know, they weren't happy with the result. You know, after the Mexico missed that PK, there was another moment where Pulisic was taken down. And, you know, there was a scuffle there. And then there was more stuff being thrown on the field. And this time a Mexican player got hit in the head with a bottle. But, you know, all in all, it's, you know, someone who's a sports fan, especially something when you're tuning in for international sport and for a rivalry like the United States versus Mexico, it's that was the exact kind of atmosphere for a game that, you know, yet last night. So, you know, even though I missed the whole regular time watching basically a circus of a boxing match, 
you know, the, the, the extra time ended up being pretty sick. And, you know, congratulations to USA. That's definitely going to give them some confidence going into World Cup qualifying. I think World Cup qualifying starts in about three months. So, dude, I'm digging it. And hopefully these young dudes will, you know, this is the beginning of success for this next generation of American soccer players. All right. Let's switch ourselves out of the soccer world and let's talk about some Julio Jones. He got traded finally. You know, the breaking news happened yesterday while I was watching the F1 race. You know, I'd recorded it. I was watching it in the morning and breaking news on all my apps started going off. Julio Jones traded to the Tennessee Titans. The details, he got traded for a 2022 second round draft pick and a 2023 fourth round draft pick. You know, this is definitely going to make the Tennessee Titans that already had a pretty formidable offense, you know, even more formidable. You know, they have A.J. Brown, who's one of the best wide receivers in the league. You can argue he's a top five wide receiver. And you got Derrick Henry, who's just a beast of a man and almost impossible to bring down. Takes about three or four people just to bring that guy down. And now you're going to add Julio Jones, who went healthy. He's another dude that is a top five wide receiver and has been a top five wide receiver for his entire time in the league you know he was extremely productive every year while he was in Atlanta with last year being kind of a down year you know in terms of what Julio Jones is expecting to produce you know this was due to injury so I think that's going to be the big determination of how successful Julio Jones is going to be in Tennessee because I feel like as long as he's healthy that's going to make Tennessee such a scary offense you know because you're definitely going to not be able to just put all your attention in A.J. Brown and you know, Tennessee, this was definitely a move out of necessity. You know, they lost Corey Davis this offseason. So, you know, I think they really needed to, you know, try to replace that and bring in a wide receiver that, you know, will help try to take some of the attention away from A.J. Brown. And, dude, Julio Jones is definitely the guy to do it. So, you know, I think there was a lot of talk this week that, you know, Baltimore was going to be the team that was going to be able to make it, you know, that was going to make the, the move. And, you know, so I'm kind of surprised that, well, not surprised because I feel like it was Baltimore and Tennessee that were kind of like the two main teams, you know, and I, you know, for me, I, I have a couple of friends of mine and, you know, family members that are friends of the Green Bay Packers and, you know, as a follower of the Pat McAfee show. I know they're big fans of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers as well. And I'm, you know, Ty Schmidt of the Pat McAfee show. I know he pet tweeted something, you know, like the, the scene from Game of Thrones when the, you know, after the sept of the, the Baylor Sep gets blown up by Cersei and all the people die. So then Tommen, the king, just like kills himself by just falling out the window. Yeah, he posted that gif because I think that's a lot of Packers fans feeling that, you know, Julio Jones going to the Packers was probably one of the last, you know, things that can maybe make Aaron Rodgers happy and make him report to camp. You know, tomorrow is the start of Packers mandatory mini camp, and I think he'll get fined like $93,000 every single day that he doesn't show up. So there really hasn't been any word from Aaron Rodgers on like what's going on and if he's going to be there. But I mean, during the offseason, during the optional mini camps or whatever, you know, Aaron Rodgers and his top five wide receivers didn't show up. So we'll see if there's still that solidarity going into the mandatory mini camps. But I think considering how big the fines are going to be, I do expect the wide receivers to at least show up. 
But, you know, we'll see with Aaron Rodgers. You know, if he doesn't show up tomorrow, man, yeah, just expect the Aaron Rodgers talk to just go through the roof even more. You know, that's one of been the only things that anyone's been talking about in terms of NFL news. You know, for me with this show, when I you know, always had the idea about it and one of the things about I like to talk about on Monday morning with people over coffee and just being able to shoot the shit about is football. So I've had this show now for about five months, and it's been during the football off season. So you know, at the end of the day, we're just trying to speculate about most, mostly just bullshit because there's no games to talk about and no games to you know look forward to. It's just about a lot of speculation. And let's be real, since draft night, you know, there's no draft to speculate about. And so I guess Aaron Rodgers' speculation is the only thing to really talk about in terms of football news. So hopefully. That's going to be changing soon because, hey, with the start of mandatory mini camps, that's, you know, after mandatory mini camps, I think they go away for a month and then you come back for training camp and, and preseason football. So the long wait is almost over, my people. Football's almost here. All righty. We got some basketball to talk about before we get ourselves out of here. Last night, the Clippers finished off the Dallas Mavericks, so, you know, they were down three games to two, and it took, you know, epic performance by Kawhi Leonard in game six, and I didn't get a chance to talk about this since I think the game was on Friday night, and the last show recorded was Friday morning. But game six, Kawhi Leonard went off with 45 points. He was super efficient, you know, 18 for 25 from field goal, five for nine from three point, and, you know, it didn't matter with Game 7, with Doncic going for 46 points and I think 14 assists. You know, Doncic's 46 points is the second most points of anyone in a Game 7 in NBA history. But, you know, we might as well call the Mavericks the Dallas Doncic's at this point because he's a one-man team. And, you know, like Hardaway, I feel like, didn't really step up like they needed him to yesterday. And, you know, he can only do so much. You know, the Clippers are an all-around team. You know, Leonard had a really good performance last night. 28 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, and 4 steals. You know, the big stat that's going around right now with Kawhi Leonard, he's the first person, I think, since Shaq, to average 30 points per game in a playoff series while also shooting 60% or better. But the only difference is that Shaq's average like distance from the rim was about like four feet since, you know, he was a, you know, big dude that was just kind of slamming in, you know, close to the rim. You know, Kawhi Leonard was averaging from 14 feet away. So Kawhi Leonard, I feel like, you know, is really earning his money and, you know, playing great basketball, being a great leader and really willed this Clippers team to a first round victory. So good for Kawhi Leonard. I feel like Paul George needs to step up more. You know, I feel like the internet has is, you know, not the biggest fans of Paul George and, you know, with performances that I feel like he really, you know, brought in, in the first series. I think the Clippers are expecting more from this guy. So I'm expecting more from Paul George. And, you know, at least they're going to get the opportunity to, um, you know, step it up. You know, they got Utah in the first round and I think it's going to be really good. But I think the Clippers are the all around better team. So if Kawhi Leonard can keep playing this well and Paul George step it up a bit and, you know, the rest of the supporting cast, you know, I mean, Morris like, yesterday hit seven three pointers. I think that's, you know, he was tied for Stephen Curry with the most three pointers in a game seven. So, you know, there's there's depth with the Clippers. And I think that, you know, they're just as dangerous as any team left in the playoffs. 
you know, talking about teams left in the playoffs. There was a game one yesterday. It was Atlanta going to Philadelphia, and Trey Young just continues to keep doing Trey Young things. He dropped 35 points, leading the Hawks to a 128-124 win. You know, Joel Embiid, who has a slightly torn meniscus, he still played yesterday and had a beast game, you know, 39 points, but it still wasn't enough. So, you know, dropping game one at home, it's, you know, not the best thing to do, but it's still early in the series. You know, I expect the 76ers to even the series up at 1-1. But if not, you know, if Trey Young can, you know, will this Hawks team to keep going and, you know, you never know. I mean, Trey Young is on, is just on one of those streaks where it's unstoppable. You know, you think of kind of, for example, like when Isaiah Thomas was playing for the Celtics and he was just carrying that team and, you know, up until he got hurt with his hip. But sometimes these dudes just like, you know, like Allen Iverson back when he was just willing the 76ers like through the playoffs. Trey Young seems to be doing something similar to that. You know, I was someone that's always talked about how the Hawks must feel stupid for trading Luka Doncic for Trey Young. But I feel like these playoffs, Trey Young's really, you know, justifying that move and not not justifying in his like they he's better than Doncic. But, you know, I feel like he's a really good player in his own right. And, you know, the Hawks are, you know, lucky to have him, even if he's balding. And the last bit of basketball news, James Harden. Looks like he's going to be missing game two tonight against the Bucks. You know, it didn't really matter too much in game one where the Nets were still able to pull off a victory with Harden being out. He got hurt in the first, like the first minute of the game. But, you know, at the same time, I think the Bucks shot like 20% from three point. So I don't expect that to keep happening. So, you know, it'll be kind of interesting to see if Brooklyn is going to be able to keep their dominance up even without Harden there. So I think one of the things that makes them unstoppable is having is, you know, when they have all three Irving Harden and Kevin Durant there and having them healthy, you know, because having those guys all three there, I mean, it's unmatched just the skill that they have on the court all at one time. But, you know, if Harden can't get healthy and, you know, you never know with these hamstrings, they can be, you know, a couple weeks. They could be things that linger for the rest of the season or playoffs. So, you know, you never know. So, you know, I definitely I don't expect Harden for game two. And I mean, if he was if it was enough to keep him out for all of game one and game two, you know, I think all bets are off on when we can expect to see James Harden back in the lineup. So that's something worth monitoring. And before we get out of this show, you know, we talked about, you know, boxing. We talked about soccer. We talked about football. We talked about basketball. We just got one more thing to talk about, and that is Formula One. As I mentioned, this is a big Formula One. This is a big race show. And, you know, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix from Baku that happened yesterday on Sunday morning, and it was an awesome race. It was definitely, you know, so it was the second F1 race that I've now watched this season from beginning to end. And as a new F1 fan, I think it was definitely a race to really indoctrinate a new fan and get us coming back for more. If you did not watch the F1 Grand Prix from Baku, I advise you to go check it out. And if you do plan on watching it and you don't know the results yet, this is a spoiler result or spoiler warning because I'm going to talk about the result and just kind of the the madness that happened on the track you know so it was it was a really great race at the beginning you know about through the whole race you know max verstappen from red bull and sergio perez they were basically one two the whole race you know verstappen i think started at like 
P3 and moved his way up, you know, and, you know, Lewis Hamilton had got, he got passed up in the pits. He had a slow pit stop. So, you know, I could just be talking about a bunch of race jargon and trying to pretend like I know what I'm talking about. But I think the main things that really happen that stick out is towards the end of the race, the couple laps left Verstappen had been racing a perfect race. He, you know, the announcers were basically talking about how mature he looked, how he didn't make a wrong move the entire time. And then basically on the straightaway that kind of like the last straightaway that kind of leads to the end of the lap, you know, he only had a couple laps left out of nowhere. looks like straight up Mario Kart. Like a banana peel must have been there, but his tire gave out. He spun out and crashed into the wall. It was the sef- it was the second such crash of the race. You know, Stroll from Aston Martin had a similar crash on like the 34th lap where, you know, he was coming along the straightaway and his tires just gave out. You know, at least with him, he was the only person who hadn't yet like gone done a pit stop and a tire change. So I think there was just speculation that, you know, he had been driving on his tires too long but you know similar thing happens with Verstappen so you know I think Pirelli who makes the tires they're definitely going to have to look into it and that's been something I've been trying to read and see if there's been any statement or anything about it because you know two tire failures like that you know it was lucky that they happened on you know parts of the race where neither guy was around anyone else and they weren't around a turn or where it could have like you know it could have been much worse so you know glad that none of those guys got hurt but it was a really bummer for Verstappen, who, you know, coming off of winning Monaco the previous race, he's leading in the driver's standing right now, and he was well on his way to winning that. And honestly, Red Bull, who's leading in the Constructors' Championship right now, with both Verstappen and with Sergio Perez at 1-2, that would have been so clutch for them to get a 1-2 finish. So, you know, they couldn't get that. You know, so Verstappen crashed. This caused the race, you know, to be red flagged and stopped while they cleaned up the debris and they they cleaned up Verstappen's car. So that happened. And then upon the restart, you know, you have per, you have Sergio Perez from Red Bull in the first position. And then you have... Lewis Hamilton from Mercedes-Benz in second. So they restart the race, and Hamilton had a really good start, and it looked like he was going to be able to beat Perez to the inside of the turn and, you know, make the turn and, you know, take first and win the race. But I guess what happened is, like, so his wheels locked up, and he completely missed the turn and had to drive into the runoff. So he went from, you know, second, possibly first place, all the way down to last and that just opened the door for Sergio Perez to win the win the Grand Prix, you know, followed by Sebastian Vettel getting the first podium while being at Aston Martin. So that was a good result for Vettel, especially he started at 11. And then Pierre Gasly, you know, from Alpha uh, AlphaTauri for he 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 finished up at third you know so it was a really awesome race but you know Hamilton and Verstappen two guys that were running towards the top you know they had some misfortunes at the end of the race and you know you know Baku's a very you know it's a street circuit and from everything that I've read and from playing it in the video game it's very you know slim margin for error there so you know it was an awesome race I definitely advise anyone 
that has any modest interest in F1. If you didn't watch the race, go check it out because it was fucking awesome. And yeah, I, I definitely look forward to covering and watching these things, man. Because you know, my son who loves cars, he's super into it. He'll sit and watch it. And you know, now that I'm starting to learn more about the racers and just the rules of F1, and you know, kind of getting the learning the strategy, it feels very reminiscent of when I used to watch UFC for the very first time, like trying to understand the grappling game and the clinch game and all the aspects and nuances of it so you know it's definitely a good time you know hopefully this episode was a good time for you you know as always i appreciate everyone that takes the time to download and listen to this podcast you know if you enjoyed what you listened to you know just this random bullshit and banter you know be a friend tell a friend you know, let them know. Cali Green Monster Show. It's perfect for putting on the background. Or if you're just like drinking some coffee or just uh, want to hear some random bullshit from a normal dude talking about sports or whatever is interesting in the world. But, you know, as for this episode, that's it. Until next time, I've been your host, Dean Ryan. This has been a Cali Green Monster Show coming to you here from the Tesla Studios in beautiful sunny san diego california have a great one guys peace